I felt like I got stuck and I, I couldn't go anywhere. And I was really hating myself and hating what I was doing. I finally decided, you know what, I just got to go for it and, and make a career transition. And that's always scary. Hello and welcome to the Brand New You Show, the podcast dedicated to helping you build a credible brand. I'm your host, Ryan Roten, and today's guest is Brian Dixon. Brian is a lifestyle realtor, an outdoor enthusiast, an avid mountain biker, and a snowboard instructor who loves helping outdoor addicts live where they play. But his true passion lies in helping people pursue their passion by making a living doing what they love. Brian, it is my pleasure to welcome you to the brand new You Show. How are we doing? For having me. Well, it's my pleasure to have you on today. We are actually outside recording on location in your backyard, as a matter of fact, with a beautiful view of the mountains and foothills in Golden, Colorado. We're officially calling this uh, Live Where You Play Headquarters. (laughs) Well, you know what? It's a really nice view from your headquarters. I can say that for sure. (laughs) We are blessed. I love it. Yes. Well, today will be a fun interview because we're going to talk about some things that we've not ever really discussed on this podcast. But before we get there, I have to ask you the one question that I ask all of my guests, which is, if you could vacation in only one place for the rest of your vacation days, where would you go? Wow, you're right. That's going to take a second. Uh... You know, I I would have to say, I haven't even done this yet, uh, at least where I want to go, hill boarding in Alaska, so taking a helicopter and uh, going up top, some really nice mountains and and getting dropped off. I think that I could literally do that for the rest of my life. I've I've done it in Colorado, just not in Alaska or Japan yet, so. Nice. So Alaska, and in particular... Helleboarding. Yes. Did I say that right? Helleboarding. Yeah. Not like hella, H-E-L-L-A, <laughs> de- hyphen boarding, but hella as in helicopter, snowboarding. I think if you're a millennial, it would it would be helleboarding. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're old like me, it's helleboarding. <laughs> Either way, it involves jet fuel to get you where you want to go uh, instead of um, maybe a ski lift. You know? <laughs> All right. Awesome. Awesome. So speaking of where you want to go. Uh, Today, you're a real estate agent. You've not always been on a straight and narrow career path. So tell me a little bit about how you got to the point where you finally decided, okay, real estate is my thing. Wow. Uh, I would definitely agree with the uh, nonlinear path part of this. Um, The point at which I finally decided to go into real estate is uh, probably around 2003. And I've always made my... uh, I've always made my uh, living with my personality. So I've been everything from a professional blackjack dealer for 15 years to uh, I was the wedding singer. I had my own DJ company too. And and I think finally I looked at, I got into mortgages and real estate in early 2000 and was really thinking that I wanted to get into that. And I think getting out of the stuck place where I was uh, dealing cards I did that for 10 years first, and uh, then the crash came along. But uh, I finally decided, you know what, I just got to go for it and, and make a career transition, and that's always scary. So I'd say right around 2003, I, I said, I'm going for it. And uh, all of this with a college degree, so I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I've never had a straight path to do these things. But. <laughs> well, I'm just going to say, knowing you for the couple years that I've known you, I can't imagine how you would be super happy being stuck indoors all day long anyway 
Yes. Um, <laughs> so it kind of makes sense to me that you were drawn to real estate, but what was it about real estate that ca- kind of captured your attention and said, you know what, that's what I'm going to go do right. now? Right. I really think it's it's the freedom to be able to call your own shots. The I think the best thing about real estate is that you know you're you're in charge and you get to make the decisions. And some people say the worst thing about real estate is that you're in charge and you get to make your own decisions. Um, All the business owners say that too. Yeah. But uh, I was, I was stuck indoors. And on top of that, people were blowing smoke in my face. And as an outdoor person, I felt like I was just living this non-authentic life. Um, But when uh, 2003 uh, uh, came along, I got the opportunity to get into the loan business and then uh, did that for a couple of years. And the company I was with, said, hey, who wants to go to real estate school? We'll help pay for it. And so I raised my hand and and I ended up doing both those things for my clients for a number of years. And I learned then that uh, the freedom, the freedom of, of, of just having the elbow room to do what, you know, make my own schedule and really get out there as a probably a high DI personality and, and go, you know, you don't, you don't fish, you don't eat. <laughs> Yeah. And uh and I really liked that part of it and then ultimately the crash came and I ended up putting my tail between my legs and getting out of the real estate business for a few years. So it was a rocky ride, but uh come 2012 I got that bug again and I really was yearning for that freedom again. So that's that's the thing about you're really just a business owner but you work with people and Boy, seeing a lot of the smiles really helping my clients uh, find that perfect home base for for their outdoor pursuits is is really great. Yeah, full disclosure, I am one of those clients, <laughs> and I am currently smiling. That's right. <laughs> Hope you've been smiling since you moved here. So that's kind of cool. So, so I didn't know that. So you were dealing blackjack full time, and you were doing real estate on the side for a while. Then you decided to go full-time real estate. Then the crash happened, the Great Depression, if you will. Right. And then you decided to get back into real estate. What was that like? Because when you're a real estate agent, like you have to sell something like before you make money, right? Nobody's paying you a salary None. as you're trying to sell something. So financially, what was that like for you initially? Was it like, had you saved up enough money to prepare for that? Or did you just say one day, like somebody blew smoke in your face and you said, I'm out. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to do real estate. I would say yes, yes, and yes. But there's a probably a couple pivotal moments. Uh, I really got into blackjack on a lark out of, out of high school, out of college. I went to see you Boulder and I just went up there for a, a summer and it turned into 10 years and I ended up, that is an endless summer. It was the whole reason for going up there. Was it the lifestyle, the outdoor lifestyle it provided me? I never had to go to work till about six at night. So I got to play all day and I had three days off a week. And so that worked well for a couple of years. You know, I felt like I got stuck up there and, and I, I couldn't go anywhere. But then I was about eight years in, really hating myself and hating what I was doing. I had a kid sit down at my blackjack table, young kid, 21 years old. This kid is blowing tons of money, coming up three or four nights a week. And this kid would play the whole table. And so he's throwing a lot of money. And finally, after a couple of months of him doing this, I said, you look pretty young, man. you you know, what kind of work do you do? He's like, I'm in the mortgage business. And, uh, I said, Oh, so every day he'd come up and play, I'd ask him more about it. Little did I know this was the start of the subprime mortgage debacle. And he was literally off funding 
suspicious loans or suspect interest rate loans or whatever you want to call it. And I was at such my wits end that I decided I really want to change in my life. He's like, well, why don't you come down and uh, I'll introduce my boss. It's real simple. Put a bunch of mail mailers in the mail and uh, we answer questions about refinancing and we usually get a couple leads and we usually close a couple deals and just almost on a dare, go down and meet, see his operation. And that's how I got thrown right into that whole thing. And I had no idea what was going on, but it turned out I was really good at it. And uh, they made me a manager and I was closing a lot of deals. And then I, and then they merged with a real estate company. But the bottom line is I was making quite a bit of money and really had no passion for what I was doing. And I went from not making you know, a crazy amount of money in Blackhawk to really maybe doubling or tripling my income. But then all that came to a halt in 2008 when Bear Stearns went out of business and loans and real estate really just dried up. So that was my first foray out of dealing blackjack into real estate. And then I decided I didn't have any work and I just decided to go back to dealing blackjack. And I rode out the storm for three years up there Hating myself once again, but knowing that, man, I had some success. I don't know what I'll do in the future. Yeah, so when you got back in in 2012, but you decided you were going to make gold the Golden, Colorado area kind of your home base. What was it about Golden that drew you to there? Because, I mean, Denver's a huge metropolitan area. You, you could have gone anywhere around here. Why Golden? Yeah, I would say it goes back a lot longer than 2012. Uh, I, I I came to CU in, in 1989, and I graduated from there in the early 90s. At the time, uh, I ended up moving up the road to Golden. I was racing mountain bikes at the time, and I really just enjoyed the heck out of this uh, trail proximity here in, in Golden and fell in love with it. And Boulder is such a great outdoor town. Frank Shorter, the start of the running boom. Uh, you know, it's the, the world headquarters for elite aerobic athletes, you know, uh, whether you're runners or triathletes or bikers. But ironically enough, Boulder kind of sucks for trail access. Okay. You either got to go way up in the mountains to Flagstaff or way out to the, to the reservoir where a lot of people train or, you know, you're running on the Boulder Creek Trail. And then you come over to Golden and literally from downtown, you can be on five or six different trails in a five or 10 minute warm up by foot or bike. I, that's when I fell in love with it was the early nineties. So, um, but 2012 was important because that's the moment where I decided that I really wanted to mix my passion for the outdoors with the real estate platform. You mentioned mountain biking a little while ago. What are some of your other outdoor passion activities that you indulge yourself? Right. Yes. Quite often, if not daily, it's, it's almost stereotypical Colorado, but, uh, I have what I call like the little golden triangle of activities for me. And I was a competitive runner in high school and, and then came to see you to run for those guys. So running was always big for me and, uh, my back had other ideas. So I ended up getting injured. And after that, I, I'm like, I needed an outlet. <laughs> and, uh, that's when mountain biking was just coming around. And, uh, a roommate of mine said, yeah, you gotta you should come try this thing, man. Everybody's riding bikes in the dirt. It's kind of cool. And ironically, probably also the same year, uh, seminal year for snowboarding. I mean, that, that was just getting started back then. 
went up to Eldora Ski Resort and had my first taste of snowboarding. I had skied as a kid, but this roommate of mine is from Canada, man. He's like, come on, let's go up and try this stuff. So he kind of got me into looking at both those things. And so now it's, it's seasonal, man. It's, it's running, mountain biking. And then as soon as the snow starts falling, it's, it's chasing the chasing the snow on a snowboard right yeah and now, and now you take helicopters to get dropped off on top of if mountains when did you decide that it w- you should marry if you will your outdoor lifestyle to your full-time job now as a real estate agent when did yes when did the when did the heavens open for me uh, maybe the big light bulb went off yeah i mean because you know you're talking before you're not living an authentic life you're making money but it doesn't feel right to you and then you get into real estate where now you're outdoors more often than you were before anyway. Right. And you see something happens. You see this opportunity to say, you know what? I love being outdoors for my passion activities and I'm outdoors for real estate. Yeah. Why not put the two together? Yeah, I would, I would say the authentic part of it was really a drive. Once again, sucking down smoke and dealing blackjack to people who, who sometimes are in a pretty pissy mood, not very fun. Doing that nine years more than you had planned to do, really not fun. So that part wasn't authentic. But then also when I got into real estate the first time, I didn't have any real passion for that either. I was, I was kind of like, I was making this money and I had, I had big bills, you know, I had a couple of real estate investments and, but I felt like I was kind of on a hamster wheel, even with real estate, I'd, I'd close a loan or I'd, or I'd close a real estate deal. And it, it was almost more like, same thing, like just getting a paycheck. And I, was, I wasn't satisfied. And, and then right around 2011, I think, a friend of mine uh, up at the casino said, hey, you know, didn't you used to do real estate? I'm, I'm thinking about buying a home. You think you could help me out? And I started helping her and uh, got in touch with a friend of mine who, was, who had an active license at that time. And that gave me the bug to at least look back into real estate. But during those years up there where I was hiding out, I finally made the choice. I'm going to follow my passion. I'm going to try to make money in the outdoor industry. And so while I was up there on my second round of dealing blackjack, I was also looking at selling snowboards, selling outdoor equipment like sunglasses. And I was repping a couple different uh, outdoor clothing lines. Turns out that that industry doesn't pay very much, (laughs) like at all. And I thought, you know what? Wouldn't it be great? If I could follow my passion in the outdoor industry, but get paid like I would in the real estate industry. And right there is where kind of the light bulb went off. And I thought, instead of the outdoor industry, why don't I try to see how I can be in that in the, as part of real estate? And this is where I really came up with the idea of what if I had a niche helping all these people that are outdoor oriented find a home that matches their lifestyle? And I'm talking, it's very important to me to have trail proximity to my home. Like from where we're sitting right now, I can, I can be on Apex or, or up to, to Mount Falcon or, or, or over to uh, Matthew Winters in 10 or 15 minutes on my bike or by running. And I started to help people do that. And I, I thought, this is it, man. I'm almost tricking myself into being in the outdoor industry and my product isn't sun- sunglasses or, or a snowboard. My product is a home base for outdoor people. That's cool. It does a few things for you, right? It not only marries your your passion with your role, but it makes you now more authentic and 
it really gives you a niche and a way to stand out within the real estate industry because let's face it, I mean, there's realtors all over the place, right? Yeah, you can't swing a dead squirrel without hitting a realtor, right? No offense to squirrel lovers, but you know what I mean. You have now kind of evolved your passion to the point where you want to share stories of others who've done very similar things. So you're in the process of writing a book right now that's going to be for people who want to make a living from their passion. So what's the title going to be? And what types of people are you interviewing for your book? And yes, it is starting to rain. We we can go in (laughs) if we need to, but uh, the title of the book, and really it's about showcasing people who had a big outdoor passion in their life, whether it was skiing or kayaking or climbing, and at some point decided to monetize their passion, like throw their hat over the wall and just say, look, this consumes all my spare time anyway. Why don't I try to make a living from it? And the working title of the book is, if you're not a climber, you won't know this term, but dirtbag is, is, a, is a great term that we use for climbers. And these are guys that live in their car just so they can climb all day and they don't care. <laughs> they don't really care if, uh, where they are as long as they're climbing. So the title of the book is What Dirtbags, Ski Bums, and Outdoor Addicts Can Teach Us About Passionate Living. With the live where you play thing, I thought about just calling it the live where you play guide. It's almost about these people talking about their experience and maybe giving also some tips and tricks. You know, we're talking about bringing Eric Weinmeyer over here, the the first blind climber of Everest, or Megan Hotman. She's a bills herself as the cyclist lawyer. You know, I've asked her some questions about, hey, what's your favorite, uh, what's your favorite under one hour road ride around this area? So. You're going to get a lot of local flair from these people about their passion, but you're also going to hear their story. And we feel like, at least us outdoor people, feel like Golden is kind of the the mecca, if you will, for that. And so people come here for that. And I really feel like, from my part, I, I help service that because the one thing that's so important is to, you know, let's find you a place that's that's uh, got some trail proximity so that you can uh, launch your daily adventure. And it's great to, like, Live where you play, right? <laughs> right, right. I'm just going to uh, make a statement here. You uh, you need an umbrella for your table here. Right. Because <laughs> right. so, yeah. it's starting to rain, yeah. although it's kind of off and on. So I, I'm okay to keep going. We covered the main piece of equipment. Right, we can go in, man. Okay, let's, let's take a quick break then and move indoors. Okay, so we've moved indoors now, avoiding the rain. You may hear a third voice. Um, in the microphone background, you want to introduce us to our new friend? <laughs> yeah, this is uh, Callie the Trailhound. You, you might have seen her on uh, on my YouTube channel, Live Where You Play TV, but uh, she's uh, she's a, a great, uh, I don't know, what do you call it? Uh, sidekick. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, sidekick. There you go. She's a great sidekick for my adventures. All right. Well, no worries. We'll continue on. We were So we were discussing your book and the stories that you're going to start to tell. And I know you've already taken the opportunity to interview at least one person who's going to appear in your book, two, two people who are going to appear in your book. Tell us, tell us a little bit about like one of the two people and the story that we – so the type of story we can expect to hear right. from the book. So I did a, I did a mountain bike uh, hut-to-hut trip in the San Juan Mountains uh, last – it was two, two summers ago, I guess, this year. Such a great story. Uh, this guy is really a living legend. He's about almost 70 years old. His name's Joe Ryan. 
And if you look it up online, it's called the San Juan Hut System. And what this guy did, and his story is so amazing, the fact that he's alive is amazing. Uh, three years ago, this guy took a almost 3,000 vertical foot fall off two cliff bands of at least 150 feet each. And he started skiing from the summit and had a, a binding broke on his skis. And he literally tumbled over two cliffs and landed down at the 11,000 foot mark at the age of, I think he was 65 at the time, and survived. Amazing guy. But what's really amazing about him is he built the San Juan hut system. And what that is, is back in the 80s, he thought, you know, it'd be cool if we went out in the wilderness and we build these huts and then people can travel from hut to hut. And whether you're biking or ski tripping, you can stay in these huts. And he started doing this in the 80s. And back then, the Forest Service wouldn't allow him to leave the huts on site permanently. So this guy would literally build a hut, maybe, you know, 12 by 12 type of hut or something like that. And he would assemble it, drag it way out in the wilderness. And then after the season, whether it was ski season or, or, or summer season, the Forest Service would make him go in and tear it down. So he would go in and disassemble and haul it all back out. Did that for four or five years before the Forest Service finally said, okay, you can leave these huts in place. And back in the 80s, he had six people that were the first people to start traveling in his huts. He had just four or five to start with. And now he had, I think last year, somewhere around 1,600 people. And most of it is mountain biking now. So the huts are 30 to 50 miles apart. And the difference is they're fully stocked with food and you can travel very lightly. And so you don't have to carry a backpack. You don't have to carry food. You can just travel lightly and have your 30 or 40 uh, mile mountain bike ride for the day, get to the hut. And he even stocks it with beer. It's unbelievable. The way he's monetized his passion because he's an outdoor guy. He was a climber and a guide and a skier. But his job now, the way he makes his living is he hires three or four people and they go in the backcountry, they go to Costco, get a bunch of food, and they go out and deliver uh, supplies to each one of these huts. And people like us, like we were 10, 10 mountain bikers starting out. You can start in Telluride or Durango, but you start out on a five or it has a seven-day trip. Every day you're biking 30 or 40 miles. And when you get to the hut, there's food, there's beer, there's sleeping bags. There's everything. There's water. There's campfires. Um, all this stuff. And so every every day, a different group launches after the next group. So you can imagine he's got to service and keep these things stocked as these groups of bikers or runners or skiers visit the huts daily. And it's amazing. It's only a hundred bucks a day. And it was one of the best experiences of my life. It was amazing. I want to go again. gone through this process of kind of self-discovery, if you will, you know, going from living an unauthentic life to a point now where you're living a, a pretty authentic life. You've got a really Great good word. lifestyle. Great word. And you're, you've centered your business, which you're calling live where you play. What is live where you play? Right. Yeah. In, in 2012, when I decided to get back into real estate, I decided I wasn't going to do it unless I was being authentic. And like I was saying, I wanted to I wanted to have a my own hyper niche and that my product was homes with trail proximity. 
So from there, I had a graphics person develop a logo. She not only came up with this logo, which has my little triangle in it, it's got the biking, the running, and the snowboarding inside of the logo, but it was her husband, and they live in Golden here too. It was her husband that had said to her her whole life, you know, it's important. You got to live where you play, man. You know, don't be, if you're, if you're into mountain climbing, you should not be living in Enid, Oklahoma. Okay. <laughs> as much as you maybe take trips to the mountains, you should actually move. And that goes for beach or surfing or whatever your passion is, you know, get to that place. But uh, it was her husband that said, you know, you got to always live where you play. She took that and basically handed it over as part of the logo. And ever since then, um, you know, the website is livewhereyouplay.com. My new venture as a uh, business owner for my own business, instead of working for other real estate companies, uh, will be called Live Where You Play Homes. So that's coming in the next few months. Uh, But it's really all about uh, hyper niche, man. You don't want to be a, you don't want to be a, a, a big fish in a big pond. You know, it, I almost fall asleep if I hear someone in an elevator ask somebody else what they do. And if their answer is, oh, I'm a Denver real estate agent. That is so boring. <laughs> and when people ask me what I do, I mean, it's, it's an elevator speech. It makes you want to ask questions. You know, I, I help outdoor people f- find their perfect lifestyle, you know. Uh, find a home that fits their lifestyle. And and usually the people's eyebrows are raised, you know, what is that? I'm like, well, I've worked with you know, professional cyclists and professional climbers and I'm super stoked. Let's go find you a home that matches your lifestyle. So I think that probably says enough about what live where you play is, but it's really about being in the midst of your passion and being in the place where those things collide. And I really feel for, for the outdoor set. We'll go ahead and start to wrap things up. But um, for those people who are interested in either moving to Golden now, because this, at times there, this feels like a, a Golden Colorado advertisement. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but for those people who are either maybe interested in moving to Golden or just want to learn more, maybe they want to come out for a rental home or vacation or something uh, so that they can pursue their passion for a week at a time. What are some of the best ways for those folks to get in touch with you? Uh, so there's always the website, livewhereyouplay.com. And, uh, it's probably the best way to get a hold with me, hold of me. Uh, you know, my email actually speaks volumes. It's come live where you play at Gmail. But realistically, a lot of times I'm acting as not just an agent. I'm I'm not, I'm not even an, I'm not even a real estate agent. I'm a tour guide. You know, a lot of what I do on social media and, and, uh, my YouTube channel is, is, is not about real estate. It's about lifestyle. So where can you go for the best trail run? Where is a good place to get a beer after you're done with that run? Where can I go mountain biking if I'm an intermediate? I don't want something too crazy. Most of the time when people are getting a hold of me, it's through the website or my email, but a lot of them come off of YouTube too. And, and I had someone call me and said, Hey, we're trying to find the parking lot you're talking about in the video. And we really want to go do this trail run. Can you give me directions? And I thought, of course I can. I love this phone call, man. Let's get you to the trail. And they were like, oh, this is great. Thank you so much. We watched the video. We can't wait. And that, I just dig that. And so I really want to play more on that with Live Where You Play TV. I'd say a quarter of it's about real estate. Most of it's about outdoor lifestyle. And then also a lot of the business owners in Golden, like um, Cafe 13 that just opened or the new uh, Buffalo Rose. Mm -hmm. 
you know? And what are some of the other lifestyle things besides outdoor that you can do? Yeah. I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to touch on it before we um, signed off. Your YouTube channel is full of just video of beautiful places that you go with your bike around here. And it's, and every once in a while you'll pepper in a, like a house that's for sale. (laughs) That's the fun part about what I do. I feel like I'm much more of a marketing person and that's where I get a lot of my joy is, is these lifestyle videos. But yeah, it's, you know, secret places to go for snowboarding. How about check out Berthed Pass or Jones Pass or, uh, you know, maybe you want to, uh, maybe you want to take a mountain bike ride up, up on Evergreen. And so you can get a lot of that kind of DIY, uh, you know, information from those uh, videos. And, uh, it should all be on live where you play TV. Even if you just type in live where you play on, on you, on Google, it'll come up. Fantastic. Awesome. Brian, it's been awesome having you on the show today. Talk about how people can actually live where they play and pursue their passion. Any final thoughts, tips, words of wisdom, anything you'd like to pass on to anybody that's listening today? Uh, Yeah. Live your best life and really throw your hat in the ring and go for it. Perfect. 100% agree. Brian, thank you very much for your time today. appreciate you being a guest on the show. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. I think you'll agree that marrying your passion with your work is rewarding. You might even say it's utopia or nirvana. Unfortunately, many people believe this isn't possible to obtain. And I would argue, and I think Brian would agree, that if you think it's not possible, then you're probably right. Because achieving it takes much more than looking for it on a job board. It requires a mindset, motivation, and persistence. Think about how many times during Brian's career he could have just thrown in the towel and decided to stay where he was. Someone who was not happy with his place in life because he was not being authentic to who he truly is. I wonder how many people we know are experiencing those types of feelings right now. I also want to point out the tenacity and the time it took Brian to get where he wanted to be and the experiments he tried along the way. You see, marrying your passion, your purpose, and your work doesn't happen overnight. And it definitely doesn't happen without experimenting. If you find yourself unhappy with your station in life and you feel like you're not being true to yourself, do something about it. Go out and try something new. Experiment until you find the right mix of ingredients and the right people to help push you forward. You can turn your passion into profitability like Brian has done, but you have to work at it. And you will definitely need to give yourself some grace along the way. Brian, my friend, thank you for being a guest on the show today and sharing your passions with us. I look forward to cracking open a copy of your book after it releases at the top of some mountain here in Golden. Thank you for listening in to our conversation today. I appreciate you tuning in more than you know. That's it for me. So until next week, I've been Ryan, and I'm out. This week's show was edited and produced by Ryan Roden. Today's music is called Hudson Hawk by Neon Beach. Music license for today's show was purchased via soundstripe.com.